0: Today's guest is Sapphire Gray of the Savvy Women Group, a property, business and finance expert who works with a broad spectrum of women to secure their finances, unlock their potential, their profits and excel in business. If you want to know more about what she does and even more about how she does it, then join us after the introduction. Hello and welcome. I'm Clayton M. Koch, and I'm also the host for The Cashflow Show, the radio show that's disguised in the shape of a podcast, but with so much more. Every week we'll be interviewing someone inspiring from the business world and finding out how they started in business, what their trials and tribulations were, and how they intend to grow their business in the future. We will also be finding out about what they do in their spare time, as well as asking them to pick a book, a film, and a favourite single or album, and to share their reasons for doing so. So why not join us at The Cashflow Show? It's not just a radio show, it's a whole new way of doing business.
1: The Cashflow Show.
0: Hello, Sapphire, and welcome to The Cashflow Show. Hiya, thanks for having me. You're most welcome. I've given our loyal audience, The Cashflow Crew, a taste of what I think you do. But with all of these Mm -hmm. things, only you know what you really do best. So please tell us more about what you actually do at the
1: Savvy Women Group. So basically, um, we are a property investors group um, for women, but not um, against men. So we do have um, clients that are both male and female, but but predominantly um, women we have. We run a property membership group. And um, where I teach women how to start out on their investment journey and taking mm-hmm. them through the process of doing that and then building their property business at the back end of it. So it's not just theory, it's they put it into practice as well. Um, and then I have uh, an estate agent, a finance broken service as well, um, mm-hmm. and our consultancy group as well. So we, we also do one-to-ones and have written courses as well, which are accredited under aqa and um, so people can have various ways of measuring themselves in business and starting that slowly that they can really develop their financial education through investing or through just learning about the basics of doing that
0: the actual idea that someone is addressing the need for women to have access to coaching mentorship and allyship in order to progress themselves and their business is quite a
1: relatively new phenomenon. It is, it definitely is because a a lot of, women aren't aren't generally um, risk, they're they're not, they're risk averse, they don't want to take the risk because they generally are nurturing beings. We are, as women, nurturing beings. What that simply means is that we look, we are the look look after our family, our children and things like that. So we don't want to risk our finances. What many women now are looking at and thinking, oh, hang on a minute. If I'm just going to be an employee and get to that pension age, I'm just going to have a pension salary from my employee, from my employer. So they, they want them to look outside of the box and thinking, I can now create my own independent financial f- um, funnel for myself and my loved ones and create that legacy and create that generational wealth. And I think that's what more people are looking into. Not only women, men are doing it as well, looking into what can I do to create more, um, become more financial literate and create more income um, for me and my loved ones and passing that down the funnel um, to our, our generations to come.
0: Right, now, all of this didn't happen overnight it very rarely Absolutely. does with every everybody, everybody that's that's been on the cash flow show. So what were your earliest journeys into business? In effect, how did you get started?
1: Well, to, um, to sort of give a background into myself, I started my journey out of necessity um, and need because I was a young mother at 14. Um, and I didn't want to be a statistic. I was brought up in Hackney. And um, that's East London. For I know. I know. it. I know. Yeah. How
0: we, I worked in Hackney for many years. I'll tell yeah. you about that another time. That's another <laughs> podcast in itself. Hackney, yeah. cha- Hackney changed my life. Let's put it this way. Yeah,
1: same for me as well, but not in a in the way people may think. But I, I was raised in Hackney, lived on an estate, um, became a young teenage mother. And um, at that time, it was unacceptable for young people to be having kids. So I faced multiple challenges and then being a black woman as well, faced those challenges on top of it. So what that led me to is saying, well, I don't want to be a typical or a stereotype collecting government handouts. What can I do? Um, I didn't feel like I was employable. And that simply meant that I didn't want to work for somebody else. So I created a small enterprise, just um, fashion design. I went to learn fashion design. That's where I started out. Designing clothes for people. I was very good at cooking, so there was little, um, what they call side hustles um, yeah. nowadays. Yeah. I, yeah. I
0: would... <laughs> the, the rise of the the a side hustle was thing back in the That's day right. was something Absolutely. that you, you didn't talk about. It's something that you kept undercover. Now everybody's right. everybody's got a badge saying I got a side hustle. A side right, side hustle.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was my little thing. So I I started formulating the ideas of business what i then realized is that i was good at it i was good at um you know forming a business making money people were starting to ask me questions well how are you doing that you know it's you seem like you're really doing well and then i decided to really take it serious so i wasn't a person when i was younger that liked education i i I used to bunk off school i'm not telling any child out there to bunk off school but i did Um, But then I started to take education really serious. I went and got degrees, uh, masters, and really developed my educational level around business, around um, what I wanted to really get into. And then I started, um, I think one of my, the the first serious business I had was a cleaning business. Um, And I got supported by the Princess Trust at the time, I was that young, I was um, supported by the Princess Trust. I set up my shop. I had a cleaning agency. It was brilliant. Um, sold that business, moved on from there, I started to do security. So I kind of went into to things that I saw the need for and then was able to support my young family at the time. Um, I ended up with four children after that. So I no longer wanted to go and work. I, I no longer had the needs to go and work for somebody because I was supporting myself. And that's where I started out in business, just simply being um, having a little side hustle that then turned into something else and built out from there. Do you think
0: that sometimes not everyone when they get to or during their sort of teenage years, when I was young, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. And to a certain mm-hmm. extent, for the most part, when I look back at it, I've achieved it. Now, there are a lot of people who don't necessarily know what they want, but they become late bloomers, if they like, if you like, late late bloomers. Mm -hmm. And they become the kind of person that they, you know, would never thought that they would have done, but they they have a change of heart. And then they suddenly say, do you know something? I'm going to embrace education. I'm going to embrace studying. And I'm going to achieve the things that I probably didn't think about achieving previously. Is that how you felt? Uh,
1: Mine was more out of need rather than... Um, one, I, I needed to be educated because where I felt as a, a young person, because I was still young um, at the time, I was a teenager. I was a teenage mom when I was a teenager when I went to university. So I I needed to to um, get that education because I didn't want my child to be raised in a in a household with an uneducated parent. If that even makes sense, mm. I didn't. I wanted her to be able to ask me all the necessary questions of life and I was able to answer those so I felt education was very important to me and plus moving me ahead of where my my peers were as well putting me in a position where I understood what I was doing and wanted to do but it's always I've always said my my mum got her degree when she was in her 50s um so I always say it's never too late to go back and retrain yourself because there's things in life that gets in the way, i.e. Um, children or even marriage or, or just life in general. So sometimes people feel, oh, it's too late for me to go. I'd I just say there's no upper age limit or lower age limit to educate yourself. We take um, Kentucky Fried Chicken. He started in his 50s. There's so many people that are are well-known um, that started later in life and have achieved more later in life. And I think that comes with them being wise and, and having wisdom. And the knowledge and the, and everything that goes behind your commitment and, and being driven, I think that comes with age as opposed to when you're younger. It comes with age and the, the drive comes with age. However, as you said, the burnout happens as well. You can't, it's like you, you, your progression levels slow down. And you're not pushing yourself as much. But when you're older, you, time's against you as well. So you're just thinking, you know oh what, let me just get on with this and I'm just going to do it. Whether I fail or, or win, it doesn't matter. I'm going to just do it. And I think that's what, why a lot of mature people get into business at a later age.
0: No, that's very true. And the Colonel Sanders, Kentucky Fried Chicken aspect of it is an interesting one because if you hear what's reported as his life story... Man, that's Scotty. Everything went yeah. wrong for that guy. Everything yeah. went wrong. No wonder his beard was white like that, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he'd been yeah. through the mill. Everything that could have gone wrong for him went wrong. But he didn't True. achieve his massive success until he was 70. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. I, I had a, a, another discussion with, uh, uh, on the second podcast that I ever did with a lady called Bella, and she's uh, had the distinction of appearing on... This podcast twice, and she sort of said, "Clayton, sometimes you don't need to worry about being in a position that it happens to you. Everybody has their time." And another, uh, the first guest on the podcast, Lisa um, from Google, she said, "Clayton, it's just being around long enough, and if you're around long enough, your time does come, and Mm. it's really important." So you raise a very, very good point there. You know. Because that's why I wanted to switch to the subject of you've chosen to specialize in working with women, not against men, so men don't all write into the cash flow show and start sending me hate mail and (laughs) (laughs) and saying I'm going woke and I'm doing the feminist movement and all kinds of stuff. The the fact is, is that you've chosen to specialize with working women. What has been the reception from other women to the services you provide?
1: Women really like the services that I provide. Um, It gives them a platform to actually um, share their thoughts, be in control of their finances as well. And I think that's what a lot of things people don't understand. Women are not necessarily financially literate. So they want to understand because traditionally, and this is why I've set it up for women. Traditionally, finances came from the household, which was run by the man. So you're married. Your your husband does everything, um, like paying the bill, paying the bills, and does all of that, brings the income in. And when women, um, there's been certain women that have lost their partners and just feel lost with, well, how do I pay the bills? How do I um, look look at the insurances? They just weren't astute as how to do things. And that's where I came in and said, well, let's look at it this way: if you become financially literate and you're educated on how to make residual income how to to make additional income even if you're not going as far as you're just educating yourself it's better than not being educated and women receive it really well and and women work together I have um women that I'm teaching that that they're all friends they've become family to each another because they bounce their ideas off, off of one another and being able to really share in what what they're doing and being praised by other women as well. And that's
0: what makes a difference. It does. It makes a massive difference because you've touched on the expression residual income. There are going Mm -hmm. to be people listening to this and there are going to be ladies listening to this who are going to say, I don't know what residual income is. I've got no idea about that. So can you explain in sort of the simplest terms, what residual income is, and how it can benefit um, women who are trying to to, to develop maybe uh, a, a stream of income for themselves.
1: In in the sense of investing in property, it's having a property that you own that you rent out to tenants, and those tenants pay you a sum each month. That sum then is divided into several parts. You'll pay for your mortgage, your insurances, your management fees. um, And once you've paid out all your associated costs to do with that property, anything that's left over then becomes your residual income. It's the income that you collect, your profit, if you look at it like that, that you get each month from that one property, which we class as an asset. And that's how you have residual income coming in. So you're you're continuously getting that income month for month without actually doing anything just by owning a property and renting it out.
0: And do you think that's something that anybody can do? Because there's a lot of talk about this. Yes, you can be a landlord. Yes, you can do this. Is it really something that anybody or that any woman can do?
1: Any man or woman can do it. It's it's all to do with how you think about um, you as an individual. Not every strategy, there's a difference. Everyone can buy a property, but the strategy you're using, so you could have a buy-to-let where you're sent, uh, renting it out to a single family or you want to do a student-let where you're renting it out to university students or you want to do a HMO where you're renting it out to multiple professionals. Depending on whether you like people or not is dependent on the strategy you choose. Or you can um, buy a property, which we do, um, buy properties and renovate them and put them back out on the market for sale. So we're making our profit there. So there's loads of different ways you can look at investing, but understanding your strategy is definitely the key.
0: Right. So are you often shocked at the lack of financial planning most women have access to?
1: 100%. Oh, it's lack of financial planning. I'm going to say this as well. In in our community, I'm a black woman, and I've noticed as 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 a community we have little or no ambitions when it comes to finances, and little knowledge on it as well. We don't know what opportunities we have out there as a community, and and those are the one things that I like to educate on F for everyone in showing them. Look, there is opportunities. There's There's funding out there. If you want to set up a business, there's funding out there. A lot of people said, you know what? I didn't even know that funding was available. There's so many different things that is out there until you know um, where to get it and how to do it. You just don't know. And you don't ask because you think it's not available to you. And that's where people stop themselves from really looking into where they are financially. Being educated financially literate is key, especially in, in, in this day and age. We're, we're going into things where interest rates are going up now. Have you looked at your mortgages? Have you looked at where you can save money? Those are the things people are so stuck on, sort of I'm, I'm with a specific, um, a gas supplier and don't ever change because they just got so used to them, but they could be saving themselves hundreds of pounds each year if they just switched. It's educating them how to, to save money, how to do it, and how to make it effective to, for their household and their
0: pockets. That's so true. I mean, the way that I see it, and I'm gonna, this is gonna be a controversial podcast because I'm gonna say things that are gonna ruffle <laughs> some people's feathers, but I'm at that stage in my life now, so I feel good about that. <laughs> one of the things that I've, I said to one of my dear colleagues was, as a black woman, this is the best time ever to be a black woman in business. And True, because the opportunities, the grants, the um, uh, the
1: uh, awareness is the, out awareness, there.
0: The awareness, the the yeah. the the ability to take whatever it is that you want to do as a business person. There's bursaries out there. There, you know, there's grants, there's loans, whatever you need to do to get started. As a black woman,
1: mm-hmm.
0: there are great opportunities. I would have to say as a black man, I don't see that many opportunities, but hopefully at the end of the day, if people are working as part of the community, then at the end of the day, we can see some joining up at some stage. But for black women in business, this is the time. This is your time. If you are going to have any kind of idea with a business that's got genuine legs, that's really can run and you can do something with it. And you've thought about it, you've planned it, you 've at least got a good idea of where you want to be as a black woman in business twenty twenty two you're killing it
1: I also want to put a caveat on that because a lot of people there was an article that came out um a couple of weeks ago I think it was an independent that ran this article and it was talking about black women in business but the one thing that you know i want to highlight black women have always been in business what they haven't done is recognize that they actually are in business and actually put themselves out there as business women as a a go back to the word side hustle a lot of women just thought i'm just doing this for fun but it was an actual business but they didn't know how to formulate it as a business correct they've been making money for years um under the guises that it was just a side business like uh, many women like to bake cakes and doing things like that and making money from baking cakes, but they didn't formulate it as a business. So therefore they didn't know that they were in business. And then they will come to a person like myself and say, Sophia, how do I actually turn this into actually a business now? What do I need to do? A lot of women have asked me in recent weeks, how to set up a limited company. And, and that's the one thing that I've, I've been hearing a lot. I was thinking, you know, it's there's some there's some educational pieces that I didn't even know existed that I need to now teach. It's how to set up a limited company, how to set up your company. Genuinely, you can have a partnership, you can you can be a sole trader, you could be a limited company, but they just didn't know how to do it. So the, there is women out there, be it black or any color, that genuinely have a business that is making them somewhat some really good money selling clothes or whatever they're doing. The framework of their business, they didn't know they were in business. So it goes back for a long, long, long time. Hair, selling hair, doing hair. All of these things women are are doing, but they didn't know they were in business.
0: And I would agree with that, and I, I would second that. I think the problem is is that when our parents came into this country um, uh, from the 60s or 50s, 60s onwards, they weren't given access to the legitimacy of business. Everything that they had to do had to be done within the community and it was never, oh, I'm going to go to HMRC or or the tax man as it was then. And basically I'm going to do this. I'm going to set up a limited company. I was having a discussion the other day about how wealthy our parents could have been if they'd been able to turn what they believed was their skills in business and to turn True. that into profitable business they didn't really understand about investment what they understood about was saving. You got money, True. you went to the bank, you saved whatever interest you got you just saved more money to grow your, your to, to grow your pot as opposed to now we know that we've got Isis, we know that we've got you know trackers, we know that we've got investment funds. those are things they would never have had access to. And as a Absolutely. consequence, by not having access to those things, they were never able to develop past a certain level. Now, mm. I, I, you know, I, I did a piece the other day um, um for LinkedIn and, and social media because uh, my initial business, PRMS, has been in, in business 20 years. And I wanted to highlight the changes of being in business, whereas... I remember writing off to company's house and getting the certificate back and thinking, wow, this is fantastic.
1: Now I Mm. can get up
0: tomorrow morning and say, right, I'm, you know, I'm going to start a new business. And by lunchtime, I can have a a website. I can have a, a, a limited company. I can have a domain name. I can have an email address. I could have um, PayPal or or Square and I could have a card machine. I could be in business in less than 24 hours. True. In terms of recognition and in terms of your own business journey, what do you think has been your biggest challenge? I
1: would say... The biggest challenge, because I, I run two different kind of, several different kind of businesses. The one challenge on the the consultancy side is always finding um, business leads, looking for clients, finding clients that suit the products and services that I'm offering. The other side of it is funding. When you're when you're building out a property business, it's looking for that funding. Um, and that's,
0: that's another problem that you could have as well. So to me, I think those problems are really quite, they're quite difficult to, to surmount, really, because I think the, the right client, it took us years to work out what our perfect client is, what they call a client avatar. Yeah. Because we mm-hmm. would go here and we would go there and we would go there, but the answer really was already there in front of us. And we just sat down and worked out, A, the people that we liked working with, the people that we felt that we could get a good result with, and then C, then finding those people and then, you know, making their acquaintance and building relationships with them. And mm-hmm. I think that to a certain extent, you're absolutely right. It's once you, your products are very specific yes. insofar far as they need a certain level of commitment. Do you that, Would you think that?
1: Yes, they do need a level uh, of commitment, but the results show for itself. And, and that's what we try to explain to clients, that when you're looking at any services, not, whether it be mine or somebody else's, what results are you getting at the back end of it? If it's making you a return at ROI on, on your money and it's five times what you're, you're put in, then why are you not going with that return? Why are you not looking at it? And if they're offering, a company's offering you a guarantee, why are you not looking at that as well? A lot of people tend to want look for bargains and discounts and things like that, and that's not business. You wouldn't go into a food shop and say, you know, I want a discount on my food, despite they will offer it. But you wouldn't do it. You just accept what the price is and then purchase. When it comes to running a business, people generally don't want to accept the price that you're you've put out there and want to, want to drive that bargain and, and doing those things. But always say you're pa- you're you're gonna get what you're paid paying for, and that's the thing. I wanted to try and ask you a bit more about you as Sapphire
0: Gray, and mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember we we had a, a little section in the, in our pre-show questionnaire called "What are you like?" and this is the bit where we ask you what your favourite book is. Mm-hmm. And, um, Do you remember what your favourite book was?
1: Um, my favourite book, oh, it would be Ross Whitney. Okay. He, he's the author of the book and it was the first to buy um property. I went to his first brilliant um book that he had written. I can't remember the name of the book now. It was so over 20 plus years ago, but it was written by Ross Whitney.
0: What inspiration did you take from that?
1: Oh, it was my journey starting into property investor in America. Um and I learned so much from him. And do you think that to a certain extent, there's
0: always something that has the trigger that makes people get into something? You know, somebody just basically switches on a light bulb that's 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 probably already there. But as if somebody takes off the lampshade, is that what Mm -hmm. the kind of feeling that you had with
1: that? I did. I did. It was it was so um, inspirational to me because I, I knew how to look at property different, different mindset. Um, and just going through it. And it was Ross Whitney, Building Wealth, From Rags to Riches Through Real Estate. That was the book that okay. I, I got um, from him. Okay,
0: right. Building Wealth, From Rags to Riches Through Real yeah. Estate. Okay. Excellent. Do you remember what your favourite album or single was? Thriller. Okay, cool.
1: Michael Jackson.
0: <laughs> Why did you particularly <laughs> choose that one?
1: Because I was a Michael Jackson fan. Absolutely mm. from, um. Die Hard fan. I had posters of him, <laughs> and Thriller was just the, the the difference. Which I always said with Michael Jackson's videos, it stood out. It absolutely stood out, and he'd done things that were not normal, that are out of the norm for his videos. And I felt that the the choreography on Thriller itself was ingenious. Mm. Everyone, it was like a short movie, yeah. and no one had ever done that before. And, and that, that's what made him stand out different to the rest. And I, I admired it. I mm. admired his, his, his get up and go and drive. He had the resilience he had for his, his career. Yeah. It was brilliant. It's quite
0: interesting because I recently watched the Janet Jackson yes. documentary. Mm-hmm. And it, it was quite interesting to, to see that relationship and her having to follow... Michael Jackson, not because there's a competition, but being the youngest child.
1: And, That's
0: right. I mean, to be honest, she did, she's done incredibly well and she did incredibly well. Michael's star shone so bright mm. that it just made everybody just look as if they weren't in the room. Yes. And, uh, and that must have been pretty difficult for, for everybody to do because it was just a phenomenon. And I remember mm. when Thriller came out and it was just like it was just flying at the shop. It was yeah. just flying at the shop, people. And I remember staying up to watch that video. Yeah, yeah. everyone did. Everyone, yeah. everyone
1: did at the time.
0: Millions of people who stayed yeah. up because they were going to release it. What was it like, you know, something like 11 o'clock or 12 yeah. o'clock or whatever. People stayed up. It was, you know, a phenomenon that you would never see again. Again? You no. would never see that again. It was just, it was... It was the pinnacle, and as you mm. said, it's a it is still a great album. And you know, when I hear
1: stuff from it, I think,
0: wow, you know, that stuff is just brilliant.
1: Mhm. And you, said- I mean, I'm a I'm a music connoisseur. I love all types of music. I I'm just I like to see something that is different and unique. There's many artists out there that I, I applaud and um, applaud loudly, but when I see something unique in somebody, I I really do look into. What their music is, how they're doing it, and how they're putting it out there. He drew audiences from around the world. He brought in. He's the one who pulled a community together. No matter what colour you was, it didn't matter. Yeah. And he even had a song on it. Yeah. No matter whether you're black or white, it yeah. doesn't matter. You know. Yeah. So for me, it was like he was that, like Bob Marley's to um, to reggae. Yeah. He yeah. was to 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 um soul R and B pop popular music. Yeah. You know.
0: Indeed, indeed. Yeah. So going back to your business, Mm -hmm. I mean, the Savvy Women Group, it comprises not really just property. You've got the business and you've also got the finance aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Are you thinking about adding more strings to that bow or just
1: refining what you've got already? Well, we've got the magazine. We've got this um, Boss Lady magazine coming out soon. Okay. Okay um and that that we had um later this year we are doing another talk show but it's a controversial one called Sisters with attitude talks so that's going to be a talk show show going live out on youtube okay so there's lots of things in in the pipeline that we are doing around our brand and just putting ourselves out there because at the end of the day i'm not trying to be all to, to everything to everyone what I'm trying to do is build up my brand and making sure that we've covered areas in our brand that um, knits together nicely. So our magazine knits together with what we talk about anyway out and when we do our my workshops and things like that. Everything just comes together in one. So I'm not sort of spreading myself thin. It is making sure that the team that I have behind me makes sure that everything is coordinated and coordinated well.
0: For an entrepreneur to be successful, do you think that being risk-averse is something that can hamper your progress?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, it stops you from moving yourself forward because at the end of the day you have this, walking outside of your street, in fact, walking inside your house is a risk. You could trip up, you could hurt yourself. I mean, the other day I hurt my thumb just opening my um, office door in my house. <laughs> And literally, I thought I broke the thing, you know. So, <laughs> I, it, it, life is full of risk. Life is full of challenges, I and mean, we're all going to go through those. We, we've, we've all unisely gone through the massive challenge of our life together for the last two years. True, indeed. Um. So, if you're not looking at, if you if you stop just for a minute and say, you know what, what's the worst that can happen? Is that it doesn't happen? That's the worst. It, it fails. And then what? You've not hurt anyone. You've not done anything to, to damage your reputation. You've tried something. And I think that's the biggest win, is when you go out there and you try something. You, I, I'm always proud of people just for trying. It's not whether you're going to succeed or not. And who knows? You could succeed. You know, don't labor on it and think, oh, I'm going to fail, I'm going to fail. Just think of it. You know what? I'm not going to know until I try it. And just do.
0: Do you think that a lot of social media, to a certain extent, puts emphasis on success, and so therefore that sometimes makes people afraid to fail?
1: I, I yes, I do. Um, I'd tell you a, a, a short story. No, there please. was a, a, there was a. A woman that I know, I'm not going to name names, but there's a woman that I know, and out on social media, she had the portrayal that she was very wealthy, she was out there, everyone she had the most, likes, over thousands, if not millions, on some of the posts. She was just on top of her game. At least she fought that through social media. The presence on social media gave a different illusion to what was actually happening behind closed doors. Behind closed doors, she was sleeping on someone else's sofa, Behind closed doors, she was totally broke. Um, and those are the things that that differ. When you're, when you're doing something, social media paints you as this type of person. There's a current film as well, um, similar to this woman's story, that's out on Netflix. She was a young um, lady who totally went through social media. Everyone thought she was wealthy, wanted to hang out with her and everything else. What it turned out to be, she was a con. Correct. She scammed so many people, you know, and and that's the thing. Don't look at social media as the the go to bible of, um, you know, success. It is not the go to place for success. It is the place where people can portray to be successful. Only those that know, and and I always call this down to boil down to two things: trust and transparency. If you are transparent, people will know you and genuinely, you can't keep up pretense for years and years, you, you can't and people will get to know you and start digging into you and start when they start digging into you, then you'll start to realise you know, who this type of person is and, and, and what they're about. I tend to be very open with, with my clients, I invite them around for meals, I'm very uh, this, is I, this is where I live, this is who I am. There's no ears or grace about me, there's nothing about me, I'm not pointing out things that that people can't go and genuinely find out about me. I don't want that in my life. I want to be authentic, and it's about being authentic, but social media can make you the superstar that you want to be, and no one will be none the wiser about whether you are or not.
0: You've mentioned, coming back to the Savvy Women group, how you're all a support network for each other. So Mm -hmm. when you've got ideas, you bounce ideas off each other. which Which I think is fantastic because i think it's so important because in business Mm. it is
1: very very lonely it is it definitely is and and that's what i like to build communities i i never sort of say oh that that's a client it's a community of people coming together to learn from one another to support one another and that's what you need in business you need communities um that allows you to, be, to open your mind and be free to speak without fear of judgment. And I don't like people being judgy, it's there to support and, and that's what it's about. Exactly. So we're
0: getting towards the end of our discussion now and I wanted to ask two questions. Mm-hmm. First one is, and this is a new question for me, why are you worth knowing?
1: Why am I worth knowing? That's a really good question. Um, I, I class myself as a, a hand holding person, a supportive, I take a supportive role in people's life and, and journeys, and I, I like to support people on whatever endeavors they wish to embark on and be their cheerleader. So that's what I would say.
0: Okay, excellent. And the second question is if somebody's listened to this podcast and it's resonated with them. What would be your advice be to any women who are sitting on their fence about starting a business? Don't.
1: Don't sit on that fence. Take the jump. Put in action. Put in, in Write it down exactly what you want to do. That's the first thing, because when you write it down, you're making a semi-commitment to, to b- building out your dreams and desires. Secondly, if you don't know what you are doing and you need a plan get a coach just like a a footballer needs a coach that footballer may earn more money than the coach but he still needs a coach to support him through his journey get someone to support you on your journey to build out your business so it does become successful and just stop don't let fear get in your way never let something get in your way allow yourself to be free and just focus on where you could take this journey by just starting
0: that's some really, really good advice. We've had a great discussion here and it's been absolutely fantastic. And where can women who want to join your savvy group find you? What, what are the options that are open to them?
1: All right. So you can go to our head over to our website. There's a booking link where I offer a free um, strategy call and that's www.savvywomen.co.uk Or you can hit us on any social media platform. That's 50 Savvy Women. And you can get us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, any of them.
0: You'll find our details. There are going to be links in the show notes for everybody. Sapphire, it has been absolutely amazing having you on. It's really been a great discussion. And it's gone in lots of different directions, which is fantastic. (laughs) Um, You know, it's really been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. I hope that we... We get the chance to because we've never actually met, have we?
1: No. No? No. (laughs) Okay, so
0: I hope that now that people are starting to go out and about that we actually get to meet and sit down and have a discussion. Thank you very much for taking the time to be thank on the Thank you for having Flow. me. You're most welcome. It's been a real pleasure. We've come to the end of the Cashflow Show for today, but I would like to say thank you to our guests for taking the time to share their knowledge, wisdom and insight. If you loved what you've heard on this week's episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts and leave a five-star review and feedback as it really does help. Whilst you're there, listen to some of our other episodes which you are bound to enjoy. We want to make this It's the go-to podcast for entrepreneurs wherever they are in the world and spreading the word really is the best way to grow our show and our community to achieve greater things. Be sure to join us next time for real people, real business, real talk. Hey, cashflow crew. If you've ever wished that you could highlight episodes Kindle style and share specific moments, you can now do so using the Clever.fm app. In addition, you can filter episodes by tags, transcribe our episodes live and click on links to things like books, articles or definitions as you listen along. Download the app on iOS or Android by going to clever.fm and listen to the Cashflow Show for an enhanced experience. We'll see you there.